0: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
1: Hey, we're on. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I am your host, Chris Kaufman. I'm here, as always, with Simon Clancy and Alf Arteaga. We're going to get around, talk about, we've already taught and done a podcast this week. This is our second podcast of the week. It's kind of novel. Uh, we've already talked about the Titans game where the Dolphins beat the Titans 27-20. to 20. But now it's time to get around to talking about you know, developments during the week as well as the New York Jets. We were playing the New York Jets this weekend in New York, and, uh, and we want to get to that. But, um, but first, uh, Alf, I think you had some, uh, some pugilistic uh, conversation you wanted to have.
2: Well, I thought we were going to talk a little bit about the NFL, but we could get into it right away. Simon? Triple G, Canelo, this Saturday, your thoughts on
3: the fight? To me, Gennady Golovkin is pound for pound the best boxer in the world. His understanding of angles, his punishing punches, and his stone jaw mean that, for me, there's only one winner. And, you know, Canelo, his issues around Clem Buterol and the suspension, and uh, I know that at the press conference today, Triple G was talking about it's he's got like marks where the potential uh, injection marks for drugs and things. Are, it's all very ugly. And to me, uh, Genov- Golovkin will win this fight.
2: I'm looking at Bet DSI, our sponsor, and Gennady Golovkin is minus one sixty-one. Canelo Alvarez is plus one thirty-five. Uh, I bet Sean Porter last week on Bet DSI, and I won at plus one forty. I'm looking forward to betting on Gennady Golovkin this weekend. So, Simon, tell the people where they can also told, bet on Janatiga Golovkin What
3: do you think bet before I before I get into bet DSI? What do you think bet DSI would say about Aaron Rodgers playing this weekend?
2: I would say he is not playing. he's not
3: playing. Okay, yes. Chris.
2: I think he's going to play.
3: Yeah, the decision has just been out. He's got a knee sprain. He hasn't practiced. He says he will play, so Wow.
1: <laughs> It, was a, does that, he need to practice at this? Even as, you know, veteran and good as he is, would you play him if he didn't practice at all the whole week?
3: A, a million percent. Okay. A million percent.
1: I figured so, but it's good to
3: say. Did you watch that game? I did. Yes. That comeback yeah. was just filth, wasn't it?
1: Yes. It was, but, you know, I I got a little bit annoyed afterwards because everybody would only talk about the comeback and, you know, how brilliant Aaron Rodgers is and how much, you know, he brought the team back and everything. And and nobody actually paid attention to the fact that, I mean, didn't the Bears win? No. No? (laughs) No? Oh, I didn't watch the end of the game.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: Oh Jesus!
3: Seriously, the, I thought the Bears they won. They lost yeah, lost twenty-four
2: twenty-one. Yeah, oh. Chris, the that reason is, everybody yeah. talked about it is because they were down twenty to nothing and they won. That's why everybody's talking about it. I that fell is, asleep. That is
3: brilliant.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Did That's exactly Rogers, why they've been talking about Aaron Rodgers all week. Do you like think that
2: Rodgers
3: threw two touchdown passes and then that was it? It was just like, oh, well done, Aaron. Yeah, it
1: looked like it looked like uh, uh what's his name, uh, Trubisky. He had it in the final minutes. He was kind of running out the clock. They uh they scored a. A field goal, goal um, yeah, and, and then,
3: then Rodgers hit. Well, no, they uh, hadn't
1: kicked the field goal yet, and I think I turned it off. They were getting yeah, first downs,
3: and then Rodgers hit Randall Cobb for about seventy-eight yards, and that was it. Game over. Oh,
1: God. Yeah. okay. Well, Chris, I miss football. I
3: missed, <laughs> I missed Aaron Rodgers'
1: like final two minutes, which is is pretty much the entire game for Aaron Rodgers. Why, why
3: do you think they were talking about him all week? I
1: don't know. Just because I mean, he they were twenty to nothing when he took back over, and you know he brought them to. So within, I guess, a field goal, and I thought, okay, well,
3: maybe, maybe the Did you know that, Did you know that the Eagles won the Super Bowl? <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, right? Well,
2: let's, the let's, Eagles. Let's, yeah, well, let's test Chris since you know, you know, it is Week One of the NFL. You know, a lot of us saw a lot of football. Chris, did you see yeah. any football? And did the Dolphins win? Yeah, they won. They won. It was brilliant. Quick game too. Oh, Chris,
3: Kirk. I've got some results for you, Chris. Uh-oh. Okay. I want you to tell me the winner of these games. <laughs> Atlanta, Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia. Cincinnati, Indianapolis.
1: Cincinnati. Well see, now you're running into I I've got NFL picks, so I you know I uh, well, I got a lot of these. Jacksonville Giants. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jacksonville won that play. one, twenty to fifteen. I was
1: watching some of it, but just enough to see some of Saquon's like most ridiculous plays in the game. You probably but honestly, off I was his... at a bar. I wasn't paying that much attention.
3: You probably turned off for his big big play. <laughs> the biggest.
2: <laughs> I t- Dallas, I'll tell you one
3: Cal- thing: Dallas, Carolina.
1: Where did Saquon go in the draft?
3: By the way, yeah, he didn't. He was undrafted. <laughs> ah, I missed it. He turned yeah. off after the first pick. <laughs> Dallas,
1: Carolina. Uh Carolina had to win that one. Yeah.
3: Seattle do you know that or is that just a guess? Uh it's it's I'm like seventy five percent. Okay.
1: <laughs> Washington, Arizona. Washington won that, right? Yeah, they killed them. Yeah. Okay. And Seattle, Denver. That was oh, wasn't that an upset by Denver? I didn't see yes. any of that game.
3: It was. It was twenty seven, twenty four.
2: Yeah, Russell Wilson was brilliant and somehow Doug Baldwin had zero catches for zero. All got- oh, I know is I'm picking up I picked
1: up Will Disley
3: in uh, fantasy. So Guess guess what was really bad about Seattle? Just pick pick something that, that was bad.
2: Probably probably the run game, no?
3: No. The offensive oh. line Kelsey oh. the
2: oh, oh of course. Well no. that, you know, no. they always have saying. such a good line.
3: I know. I right? what happened? <laughs> what I'll happened? tell you. Who I'll would tell- have
2: been? I, what I found interesting from oh, week is. one of the NFL season is that now Dak Prescott is is being talked about on every sports show everywhere as a complete and total bust. When two uh, years I, ago, I, he was the second coming. And let me tell
0: you,
1: you mean, one thing. You if, mean aside if, from when they're bust. talking about how Aaron Rodgers didn't win the game? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: So if we take uh, the second half of last season and this first game, uh, I guess you got to agree with them, no, Simon?
3: How could you be a bust when you're a fourth round pick?
2: Well, because he was uh, he true. was rookie of the year, Simon.
3: Yeah, but he was rookie of the year because he had a healthy Ezekiel Elliott. He had a wide the best offensive line in football. A, a Wait, good defense. a good is defense. Zeke healthy. Yeah, Zeke's healthy. Did but, I missed that too. <laughs> but the offensive Travis Frederick is out. You know that that offensive line is down oh, to its, right, bare, yeah. its down to its bare bones they've got no receivers to throw to. I mean, Michael Gallup is the number one receiver and he's a rookie out of Colorado state. So, I mean, anyway, who would somebody bet... in,
1: somebody in my fantasy draft took Des Bryant anyway, despite <laughs> his, his not being signed. Some, by
3: somebody, 16. the guy I played fantasy, and I've never ever played fantasy at all, but I, I started this year. The guy I played this weekend, he had two quarterbacks. One was, uh, Kirk cousins, who was worth a significant amount of points. Uh, but he was on the bench because he forgot to change Carson Wentz. <laughs> so I <ended> up <laughs> oh, how I laughed. I didn't tell him. And I was like, oh, mate. As soon as it kicked off, I was like, oh, mate, you forgot to change your quarterback over. He was like, oh, shit, shit. Even though I knew it happened. <laughs> who could have bet that I would have beaten him? I tell you who would have bet the guys that bet DSI because the NFL and NCAA seasons are underway. And it's time to take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with the guys at Bet DSI are celebrating 20 years online and have built an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment for your winnings. They've got an excellent mobile interface so you can play, win, and get paid anytime, anywhere. To help you get started with some extra bang for your buck, Bet DSI is offering double your money on your first deposit. That's right, deposit to win, deposit to start winning and get up to $2,500 free. That's double your money from the get-go. When it comes to football, BetDSI has every single wager you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sport, BetDSI will put a line on it. NFL, NCAA, Major League Baseball, UFC, the Premier League, Golovkin, Canelo, eSports. You can even bet on when Robert Mueller impeaches the president. You know you're ready to win. Join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get paid. So don't stand on the sidelines this season be in it to win it, and enjoy the games that much more when you bet at betdsi.com. Boom. Right.
1: I would have bet on a uh, silky
3: smooth segue like that. I know, right? Here's another silky smooth segue because it's news of the week time. We've already talked about the Titans game, but there's some sort of breaking news coming out of Miami this afternoon that sits a little bit uncomfortably. See what I did That I used the word
1: uh, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I,
3: Josh am, sit-
1: sitting bricks
3: here. Yeah. Josh could be sitting on the bench at the weekend. Josh, Josh me left guard, who had a terrific game, I thought, on Sunday, um, playing next to Laramie Tunsil and, uh, and just helping solidify that unit, made them look much better. Today, Coach Gay said that sitting, he wasn't at practice today. The, the, the journalists, the, the Joe Shads and the Adam Beasley's and the Salgueros were talking about the fact that he wasn't at practice. And then it was revealed afterwards that he'd essentially hurt his shoulder in it, not in an obvious play. People were looking for it. Could, could they find it? They couldn't find it. Gaze sort of was a bit hazy about what happened, said it was sort of a bit of a freak accident. But all of a sudden, things don't look particularly good. And it strikes me that two or three days after the game, when all of a sudden a guy can't practice and a guy, the head coach is being a little bit, you know, a little bit in the dark about it, it does make you wonder whether a guy now in his thirties—Are we looking at Josh Sitton being sat down for the season? I know that's a drastic statement, guys, but this doesn't look good at the moment, does it?
1: I would say exactly what we talked about earlier, uh, and what you just mentioned—the fact that it's a couple days later, and then the guy all of a sudden is being evaluated—you know, kind of—it kind of is suggestive to me, and that's scary to me. That's when you've got a guy that's you know thirty plus and logged a whole lot of games in the NFL and then a couple days later all of a sudden he's being evaluated it's being sent somewhere to go get evaluated you know that doesn't sit well with me um I think that uh I think that I am a little bit concerned and what a shame that would be because you don't want this line to turn out like the 2016 line Where, you know, Omar Kelly of the Sun Sentinel is talking about the unicorn line because they're they're never all five guys together. And when they are, they're dominant. But but they're just never together. Um, I don't you don't want that to happen. It would be a big shame because they constructed this offensive line really well. We already saw the results in week one against the Tennessee Titans. So you don't want to have this thing where you know Josh Sitton is uh, is in and out because of a shoulder. He's thirty you know plus years old. He's got some veteran injuries. Daniel Kilgore, you know, he had some injuries earlier in his career, and you know maybe maybe he misses some time. And uh, Juwan James, of course, he only he seems to only play like half the games for the Miami Dolphins. Um, Laramie Tunsil, we've talked about how he takes nicks and bruises every now and then too. So you, you don't want to have this thing where they're never all together. And uh, if if they are going to be like that, if they are taking some major injuries, to me this offensive line was a big part of why I was bullish on the team for the year. So if you start taking that away, then I really do, I really would start to reevaluate my expectations.
2: I wouldn't worry too much about it, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I have a few, I have a little bit of experience with dislocated shoulders and separated shoulders, and what I think pro- probably happened. Is first of all, you got to remember a lot of these guys are put together with chewing gum and Elmer's glue. Okay. Well, are we
3: saying wait a minute, Alf? Are we saying that it's a dislocated shoulder, or because it could be a torn labrum, it could be uh, all sorts mm. of things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Rotator. dislocation. Separation it could be. Well, rotated. they're all
2: they're all certain degrees of the same injury, really, because you know it's it's give or take. They're all essentially the same thing. At his age, he's going to have pain. It's entirely possible he probably dislocated it for a very brief moment in that titans game it fell back into into place he had the tests run he had complete motion and he's perfectly fine but he has pain so what they probably have to do is look in there and see what exactly is the damage and for an offensive lineman unless it's really 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 bad they'll just put a brace on it he'll play the season and at the end of the year, you know, for a wide receiver, obviously it would be a different thing. But for an offensive lineman, they put a brace on it, he'll play the year. At the end of the season, he'll obviously need to have it cleaned up if that was the case. And to be honest with you, of course we're reading tea leaves here, but if I Mm -hmm. had to bet, I'm betting that that's probably what happened during that game. For what it's
1: worth, we have – I mean, we all hear things from the inside and – you know, we take them with a grain of salt sometimes. Sometimes we take them a little more seriously. This is not a thing where we're hearing bad things from the inside. Like, this is not, you know, oh, I heard on three yards per carry that this is happening. This is just we're, we're talking about circumstances that are conspicuous to us and, uh, and raise a little bit of suspicion and make us a little bit anxious. It, we're not hearing bad things from the inside. So that's I just want to make that clear.
3: One other piece of news, Devontae Parker back catching the ball today. It doesn't look necessarily like he's going to be able to play this weekend, but it's progress, you know, and he is still a, a talented individual. We've all discussed ad infinitum that mentally we don't think he's ever quite going to get there. And the receiving call looked good at the weekend and it looked sharp and it looked quick and... Um, you know, it was it was fascinating to see the different guys involved. And, you know, Jarvis did his thing for Cleveland at the, at the weekend. He had a couple of long catches. I think he had seven for 105, uh, which was great for him. But for us, it was nice to see that there was some, you know, good distribution. I think Joquin caught five. I think Albert caught four. Danny Amendola caught three. Kenny caught five. Two, two long touchdowns. Um, we didn't really use the tight ends very much. The boys out of the back caught a couple of passes. Um, so distribution was good. But, Looking forward to getting Devontae back. And when he comes back, is he a starter? Is he a rotation guy? Is he the third guy? What, what, does he play not very much at all? Where do you guys see him fitting in?
2: If we saw him, how he was used against the Patriots last year. He was used in the slot. He was used out wide. Uh, he was used as a flanker and a split end. He, he was used all over the field. With this offense and with the multiple formations that we go to and – you know, we even use 21 personnel, so it's entirely possible he doesn't play even half the snaps if he's the starter. So with the offense that we have now, I think it would help to have another dimension to the offense, especially a, a taller wide receiver on the outside, and especially in the red zone. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him on the team because I saw, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, Oh my God, there it goes. As soon as he comes back, now the offense is going to go to hell again. And I just don't see it. I think I think it's another dimension, and I think Adam Gase would be pretty happy to have him in uniform. I don't know what you think about it, Chris. Could it hurt the offense?
1: I think, honestly, uh, to be 100% honest, I'm not anxious to even have him back at this point because I think that they've developed a good thing with the receivers that they have. I think this is turning into, as Adam Gase said, uh, a speed-oriented league in several ways and now they have speed in they have speed and agility and you know quickness and uh, and explosiveness in the guys that they have Albert Wilson, JaKeem Grant, Kenny Stills and uh, to some extent Danny Amendola but who not performing really yet uh, we'll have to see if he if he gets it going but hey, hey Devonte Parker's not going to replace Danny Amendola that's the weakest link so far we saw we talked about in the last podcast that that pass that Danny Amendola really needs to catch because it was a nice rocket from Tannehill and it could have been six points. Um, that's not the pl- the player that Devontae Parker would replace. The player Devontae Parker would replace is either Albert Wilson or Jakeem Grant. And I don't, I'm don't. i not up for that. I'm just not game for that. I'm sorry. Um, I don't think that Devontae has earned it at this point. I think that those other guys have. And so I'm not really that anxious to have him back at all.
3: Interesting. Interesting. One. Let's just go back to, to the offensive line just for a sec. Just remind guys um, who might be listening and who might be wondering who would take over. We assume if Sitton goes down that Ted Larson would get the call, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Just wanted to clean that up so that in case people were left wondering what the uh, the options would be. Obviously a downgrade, but at least a veteran guy who can step in. And, you know, it's not, it's not great, but I suppose it's potentially not the end of the world. Alf, take it away, my friend.
2: All right, we're going to go to break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the mighty New York Jets who just happened to kick the crap out of the Detroit Lions. But first, these words. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth,
0: Seth, Seth, man. They already know this is O.J. McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for?
2: We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports
0: Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins' Tales from the Deep. O.J., tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch he's, <laughs> is it, because he's chasing me
1: Because you know Izzo with his clothes on. Huh? He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> (laughs) Why are you looking at me like I know
0: Lizzo with his clothes off? Seth, with his clothes off. (laughs) So make sure you find the fish tank on
2: iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. Josh
1: Darrow here, host of the Five Rings podcast, where it's always a cane sting on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams, you know, that that's where it all started for me. And just, just the style of play. And, and really it was, it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here, and, you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in 86 when we're whipping Oklahoma and just,
0: you know what I mean? Just, just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, we're not only, you know, you know Nebraska. It was a changing of college football. It's those kind of
1: memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Cane Sting. And we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
2: And we're back and the Dolphins play the Jets this week. It is Jet week in the past it had a different flavor than it does now, but considering how they played this past week, maybe those days are going to be coming back pretty soon. But before before we get into the game, Chris, you had something to say about this matchup.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk real quick about the Dolphins in NYC group, uh, which is a fan group based in New York City, of course. And these guys always show up to MetLife Stadium for the Dolphins-Jets game, and they call it the MetLife Takeover. And I just want to give them a shout-out and give away some information for anybody that happens to be in the New York area that might be thinking about going to the game. You really should contact these people because uh, they really do an incredible job. They have my respect. If for no other reason than on the telecasts, you can actually hear them take over chants. With you know Miami Dolphin chants, they've got a thousand people usually in sections 344 through 330 or 347, and they will be tailgating in bus lot four this year. They also have a pre-party at um, I, I guess it's sort of like their unofficial HQ bar. It's called Slatteries, and that's from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday. I guess the day before the game. Uh, they have a website. It's called MetLife. Tail- com. I would go there and hook up with them if you think that you are going to go to the game. They say that the tailgate is catered and costs some money, but people can also, you know, kind of bring your own. So um, I just want to give them a shout out. Like I said, they really do an incredible job, and the Dolphins actually work with them. I know that uh, they work with them occasionally. So
2: I, I hear them every time, and I see them on Twitter every single year when they talk about their MetLife Takeover. and. It's a lot of fun, especially when you hear let's go Dolphins over the telecast, especially yeah, in the I mean, third it's, quarter. It's
1: amazing. It, this is not this kind of... So it's one thing if we go to LA, right? The the now LA Chargers. Yeah. And they don't even have any Chargers fans there. And so you, you kind of see and hear Dolphins fans up there. Or if you go to Toronto, that's supposed to be Bills, and nobody in Toronto is actually a Bills fan. And instead, like a bunch of people show up to the games are Dolphins fans. It's yeah. one thing of that. This is the New York Jets stadium. Yeah. Uh, they have a strong fan base and uh and to go there and start taking over chance and be heard on the telecasts is pretty incredible. So they have yeah. my respect.
2: Well, it's Jets Week. And I, like most of you out there, settled in on Monday night to watch the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions. And I happen to like the Lions talent. I like their quarterback. Okay. No. Who won again? Um uh, I think the Lions won by, like, eight touchdowns, Chris. Oh? Uh. Okay? Yeah. You can look it up, you know. Like, you know, ESPN.com, look at the box score. So. I'll do that. Okay. Well, you,
1: talk, you talk. I'm going to do that.
2: <laughs> And I settled in, and I completely expected, I'll tell you right now, I was wrong. I expected the Detroit Lions to beat them by two touchdowns. The game starts, and Sam Darnold throws this pass across the field, which they later said was completely by design. It gets intercepted, returned back for a touchdown, and we're all laughing on Twitter. From that point on, it was an absolute beatdown, of which the likes I had not seen in a long, long time. Simon, what do you think of that game?
3: I I was with you, actually. I thought the Lions would win. I was surprised at how bad Matthew Stafford looked. I was surprised, given the financial investment in that offensive line with Ricky Wagner and with... Uh, Frank Ragnow and, and Decker and guys like that. I was surprised that they couldn't get either Blunt or Kerry on Johnson going. Um, and defensively, I just thought, you know, again with that investment, you look at you look at uh, the guy at the defensive end whose name totally Ziggy answer. Yeah. You look at Gerard Davis. You look at Darius Slay. Um, the, the really underrated safety Glover Quinn. They were just beaten around. They were physically beaten around by the Jets at home in front of an excitable crowd with a new head coach, a new defensive head coach. And I thought the Jets just absolutely dominated them. You know, the first drive aside when Darnold threw the pick six, beyond that, the Jets just took over, and they took over using a a really good running back in Bilal Powell, kind of not a number one, but not not a number two either. He's kind of a number one and a half, I suppose, in a way. He's a tough runner that offensive line with no big names on it, just smashed Detroit in the mouth. Drive after drive, they lined up. Yeah, three to, A lot of three tight end sets. You knew what was coming, and the line still couldn't stop them. But Donald looked poised. I thought it was great to get Quincy and Inouye back because he played really well, looked very dangerous, um, lining up all over the field. Robbie Anderson stretched the field. Um, and defensively, you know, they looked good. They looked really good, you know, the interior defensive line looks strong. Jamal Adams looks like he's developing into one of the best sort of safeties in the NFL. Marcus May wasn't playing. And they're getting good mileage out of the corner. Obviously Tremaine Johnson's a good player, but didn't have the best game. I don't think he I mean he got absolutely lit up after a after an interception in the in the um in the first quarter. Um and I'm not sure whether or not I mean I I'm sure he would have had a concussion test, but he didn't look altogether with it for the rest of the game. Like I said, Marcus May wasn't playing. They get really good mileage on the other side from Maurice Claiborne as well, the former first round pick of the Cowboys. Um, but I just thought they were absolutely dominant and it was um it was a surprising performance. So I'm kind of intrigued as to how the Jets are going to take the Dolphins. Are they, you know, are they on a roll? Are they, you know, 48 seventeen on the on the road in Detroit it is a great way to start the season when you've got a rookie quarterback and everybody thinks you're going to not be very good this season. So, you know, are they going to come in with a wave of confidence or, you know, is that confidence going to be slightly um, a little bit too much and they're going to get their confidence against the Dolphins? It will be a fascinating matchup. But I thought they were, you know, kudos to Todd Bowles and his coaches. I thought it was a terrific performance.
2: Well, I was completely impressed by that offensive line. That offensive line was absolutely great. And uh, I think that they have a really, really underrated running back in Isaiah Crowell and Ooh. and Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell that is a very very good one two punch and it's not even a one two punch because they play them almost equally so it's like a one and a half and and one punch and you know Quincy and Umwa, this is going to be a test for Minka Fitzpatrick um uh, Chris you had time to research the game as me and Simon <laughs> talked your thoughts on how Yeah they played I reviewed in that game? I
1: reviewed the game and uh and have the notes uh now uh um, while you guys were talking so uh i for, first off i think that uh, it needs to be said that the jets players after the game couldn't stop talking about how they had the lions signals uh mm-hmm. and that they knew the things that uh matt matt stafford was calling in the huddle darren lee in particular who had i believe at least one of those I don't know how many picks he per- personally had in the game, but um, but he had at least one of those uh, picks where he kind of dropped back and and robbed the passing lane, and uh, and looked very good doing it. And um, and I think that uh, the signal thing. You know, actually, he had two t- two uh, interceptions, including a touchdown in this game. That needs to be said because we in Miami have seen that happen before. Uh, with us in 2006, the Dolphins had caught, managed to cop one or two of Tom Brady's protection signals off of an inadvertent audio from uh, from a, a telecast, and they entered that game. And this, keep in mind, the six and the 2006 Dolphins were six and ten; they were awful. Uh, The New England Patriots were on their way to the conference championships. We won the game 21 to nothing. We shut the New England Patriots and Tom Brady out zero points. And it was based on Jason Taylor moving around the field and pressuring Tom Brady all over the place based on some protection calls that they knew. So this can have a big impact. So it's hard to, to tell just how good the Jets defense was against the Lions in that game. If that is the case, if uh, Darren Lee is is right, and he wasn't just kind of you know blowing smoke up everyone's ass, um, so we'll we'll see. Reviewing what they did in the game, uh, on offense in particular, the Jets were able to run the ball um, against the the Lions in base or in the Lions base D. Uh, they had a lot of success when the Jets went to twelve and thirteen personnel. Which is again, that's you know the first digit is running backs, second digit is tight ends. So twelve personnel is a heavier uh, personnel package on offense. It's it's where you can run the ball a little bit more. It's it's something that would normally draw the defense's uh, base defensive package, which is like the four three or the three four. In this case, the Lions are operating Matt Patricia's three four. So they ran the ball a lot. Against uh, the Lions base, Well, here's the problem for them from their standpoint, we stopped the run really well last week out of our base uh, defensive package. Our base four three held the um the Tennessee Titans really to only thirty six yards on sixteen carries. So I mean, they're they're kind of running into our teeth a little bit if they're gonna they're gonna continue on that way. The other thing is that they made a lot of hay out of their 11 personnel in the passing game. 11 personnel is three wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And the the unfortunate thing for them is that they're facing a Dolphins defense that allowed only, I think, 4.8 net yards per pass out of, uh, out of the nickel package last week against the Tennessee Titans. It was 140 passing yards and two interceptions on 29 pass attempts. Uh, so, again... Throwing into the teeth of the Miami defense, it'd be a different story if the Jets had shown that they could run out of 11 personnel at, mm-hmm. uh, against our nickel package. Or if they could pass out of base, you know, against our um, uh, or pass. Sorry, pass out of 12 personnel or 13 personnel, which would be against our base pa- package. Those are our weaknesses, but the Jets didn't show any, any real capability there last week anyway. So that's one thing. That's the bad news for the Jets on the offense. On the defensive side of the ball, the Jets uh, were in nickel a lot, and that, there, that was just because the Lions played a lot of 11 personnel, as they are kind of want to do. Um, but they actually allowed a good amount of rushing, on 44 yards on nine carries, out of that nickel. And the reason that's relevant is because that's where we actually hit the Titans real hard last week is the Titans have sort of a, an odd front, just like the jets do, uh, which is hard to run to the outside against, but you can hit some inside zone against, you can hit some split zone, which the, the dolphins did, um, now they're gonna try. They're gonna try to run, or they're gonna try to stop the run out of nickel. We can bring them into the nickel package, which we did to the Titans quite a bit, and we had a lot of success doing that. And the Jets didn't really stop the run against the Lions out of the nickel package. So that's that's bad news for the Jets on defense. What's also bad news for the Jets, I think, and could go in our favor is the no huddle, because the no huddle. They did get three interceptions out of out of the no huddle against the Lions, but you have to wonder about that whole signal thing, because no huddle in particular, if you know the guy's signals, that's where you're gonna see the signals, is when the guys, you know, calling everything at the line and trying to operate the no huddle. So if that was a factor. Otherwise, they were the Lions were having a lot of success running the no-huddle. In fact, the they had a big seventy plus yard drive at the to end of the first half. Out of going completely no huddle, they had a big drive to. I don't know if you remember the drive mm. to open the second half, where mm. they just marched down the field and punched it right in. A couple that of great no throws huddle. as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, some drive. great throws, big, but that was no trip. huddle.
1: Yeah. that was no huddle against the Jets defense, and the Jets didn't seem to be keeping up very well with the no huddle until they would all of a sudden rob you know, Matt Stafford and pick the ball off. So if uh, if Miami can run the no huddle and not get their calls stolen by the Jets, then you have to wonder if that um, if that could that could pay off. Now, on the other side of the ball, will the Jets go no huddle against Miami? Well, the history does not suggest, though, they did not run the no huddle last year. They didn't run it hardly at all in the preseason. They have a rookie quarterback in. In his second game, I, I don't think it's going to happen. And so, what does that mean? If they're not running the no huddle at all, then this is where you could actually see the rotation on our defensive line that we've that we've been talking about for forever, um, keeping everybody fresh. And that's where you could actually see that pay off. It, where you m- might not see it pay off is if they keep going no huddle and keeping everybody on the field for a bunch um, for a bunch of plays in a row. But if they're just huddling up and taking their time, then we're going to keep you know, throwing different defensive line combinations at them, getting fresh bodies on the field, and that might work out a little bit better. That's sort of the upside, the optimist case for Miami because otherwise the Jets obviously pasted the Lions last week.
3: I think there's an interesting case to be made as well that Donald will not have seen the kind of experience – that he's going to see on Sunday. You know, the Lions have got good players. We've talked about it, you know, on every level. Ansar, uh, Jared Davis, um, Darius Slay, But you won't have seen the kind of veteran savvy and there's not really that many veteran-savvy guys, long-term NFL veterans on that on that Lions defense. And I'm talking about the Cameron Wakes. I'm talking about the William Hayes. I'm talking about the Rashad Joneses. You know, Kiko's been around a bit. He's not a long-term veteran, but he's been around a, a bit. That defensive, Robert Quinn, again, is 27, but, you know, he's played in the NFL a long time. The, I think there's I think that experience is going to really play into the Dolphins' hands a little bit at the weekend because we're just going to to chuck stuff at him because we've got that experience kind of veteran savvy in our team that I don't think he will have seen will be critical for us and I think we did it very well this weekend against Mariota but Donald even in that one game against the Lions but he's done it for his entire career at USC his ability to manipulate the pocket his ability to get outside of the tackle box and make plays either with his feet or with his arm—that's one thing that we've perennially struggled at. Ty, you know, you look back to the history of Tyrod Taylor running all over us by yeah. getting out of the pocket. What we did really well at the weekend was set the. I thought Robert Quinn played really well setting the edge. Hayes, obviously back and being healthy, did a great job of that. The defense, everybody kept the run fits were good. Everybody just kept, you know, we weren't all over the place like we have been at times in the past. I think keeping Donald. A in the pocket and B just being a bit savvy with how we do things. Like he will never have seen a guy like Cameron Wake before. You know he will not have experienced somebody like that coming off the edge of him play after play. So I think that will play into our into our favour. We've really got to match them physically, I think. And and you know, taking it back to a, a conversation twenty minutes ago. Having Josh Sitton on the team, you know, is really going to help when you go up against the Lennon Williams and some of those guys on the interior because, you know, we really need to match them physically, especially on the road, especially that noisy stadium coming off the, you know, because that place is going to be full, coming off the 48-point win. They all want to see Sam Darnold. He's the big hero of New York and understandably, you know, we've talked about him at Infinite for a long time he looks like a really really good cornerback so you know they're excited and understandably so and you know we need to take some air out of that balloon fairly quickly
2: yeah if you watch that game uh sam Darnold, of course you know he had to pick six but other than that he was pretty good uh i thought his footwork was a little shoddy and he threw a lot of rocket balls a lot of really good catches were made on his behalf but that game really boiled down to two guys, and it was Isaiah Crowell running for 102 yards on 10 carries, getting two touchdowns and the long one, but the guy who really made that offense move was Quincy Anunwa. He had six for 63, and he had the touchdown, which was wonderful. He ran three guys over and carried the last one into the end zone. Uh, there's one guy who's going to be matched up on him in, for the entire game, and that's Minka Fitzpatrick. I completely trust him, Okay. If we win that matchup, I think that we're in the game close. Gay's teams, since he's been here, have been pretty good in winning these close games. So, a lot of things bode well for Miami, but you know how it is. So. Chris,
3: let's take those three receivers. You've got Robbie Anderson, who'll probably be one-on-one with Xavier. You've got Anunwa who'll be in the slot on Mink Fitzpatrick. Then you've got uh, Terrell Pryor, who played 24 snaps, so 40% of snaps. Getting Terrell Pryor matched up on Bobby McCain, I would imagine, given the height advantage of 6'5", Terrell Pryor versus the whatever Bobby is, but probably not much more than 5'10", that's a concern.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say that is a concern. But you have to go back, Um, actually, Terrell Pryor to remember uh, the, the game that we played against the Cleveland Browns in 2016. Simon, we you and I we were at that game. Yeah. Uh, uh, the game that he had against us was really, I mean, he had, he had the game. If, if they had ended up winning that game, then he was going to be, you know, pasted across a lot of headlines around the NFL because he had a hell of a game. And, um, and so it, it's not just Robbie Anderson. It's not just Quincy and Unwa. Uh, and, and I do agree with Alfin and that I, I totally trust Minka Fitzpatrick even if he lets up a couple of catches I, I trust the effort that he's going to be giving uh, I trust that his capabilities Xavier Howard you hope he's going to be on Robbie Anderson but you know let's see how that plays out we don't necessarily know uh, I hope he is because Robbie Anderson I think is the best receiver in that unit mm-hmm. and one of the best deep threats in the NFL today every time I watch him he is you know, highly, highly impressive. So this is, this is going to be a challenge. I think that the, the week I've told you all the things that kind of favor Miami here, but some of the things that don't favor Miami is, you know, for one thing, I said that they're going to try and run against our base defense with like say 12 personnel, 13 personnel and our base defense did well last week. Well, it's kind of like ignoring something. Because the base defense also led up that 62-yard run that was called back uh, with Derrick Henry. And that run looked exactly like the 71-yard touchdown run that Panthers' uh, Christian McCaffrey had against us. And that was also against base defense. And in both cases, you had T.J. McDonald sitting back there as the deep center fielder, uh, last line of defense guy taking an atrocious angle in both cases, taking what was probably a well-blocked 10-yard gain and turning it into 62 and 71 yard touchdown games. Um, If the jets continue with the run game out of their 12 personnel, out of their 13 personnel, and just stick with it, then they could pop a big one against us. And then it would sort of, you know, all, all the analysis would be for not. Uh, the other thing is that their are 11 or sorry, their nickel personnel, their nickel defense, you know, when they have five defensive backs on the field, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're going to throw into it because we throw a lot out of 11 personnel. We have three wide receivers on the field a lot and we throw a lot that way. Their 11 per, or their nickel defense did well against the Lions. Uh defensive calls, you know, whether they are offensive calls, whether they stole signals from Matt Stafford or not, they they did pretty well overall. So we're going to try and throw into the teeth of that defense and we'll see how it goes. If the line or if the the game ends up going sideways on us, I'm going to say that that's probably how it happened. We just couldn't make hay with our passing game out of 11 personnel against their their nickel and they popped a big one like somebody like Isaiah Crowell or Bilal Powell just, you know, popped a huge run off of us. Um, and TJ McDonald ended up, you know, kind of the goat um, I suspect not I, in a good
3: way. I suspect Ryan is going to get a significant amount of time in the pocket, and I think that they're going to have to blitz an awful lot because, you know, look, you got Doug Doug Middleton sitting in for Marcus May. You've got essentially you've got Brandon Copeland and Frankie Louvu kind of <laughs> f- filling in the void at, at edge rusher for them. And by the of-
1: way, I didn't know who that even was. <laughs> I was looking yeah. at it and I was <laughs> saying to you guys I, earlier, I, it's I, pretty I, rare that. I'm looking at a player and I'm like, who?
3: We've got, I've got another one of those for you in a minute. But I, I think Ryan is going to have significant time because I don't think that, that unless they blitz consistently, consistently, consistently. And I think if they do that, we're going to end up breaking a big one because, you know, I, I I think there will be times when they will not be able to, to match up with what we have, especially with the speed. You look at the three guys, Wilson, Stills and uh, and jakeem so uh, you know hopefully ryan has enough time in the pocket because i just do not think their ends can get home do you know offensively which one of their skill pos- position players after the quarterback was on the field for the most snaps in that game no um, who chris any idea
1: one of their tight ends right
3: yeah which one he played for i'll give you a clue he played for the uh the monmouth hawks
1: oh uh that guy um <laughs> No, I actually, actually do know this. Uh, uh, he's he's not in his valleys. Uh, Neil Sterling. A key.
3: Oh, Sterling. Neil Sterling played forty-one. I was, snaps. I
1: thought they had a tight end named. Oh no, wait! I'm thinking of the Lions. The Lions yeah. have a tight end named. Uh, named Chris, Her-
3: Chris Her- So Sterling played forty-one snaps. Chris Herndon played thirty-four. Tomlinson played twenty-nine. Leggett played 15 so they you know they, they rotated four tight ends in but Sterling i surprised
1: caught... Leggett only plays 15 I thought he was going to be good
3: yeah no, I mean it's interesting though that that there's a couple of no-namers on the on that offense that you know the Dolphins are going to have to you know Sterling caught three catches against the Lions but it, I, I'm fascinated by this game I really am it's uh you know I think the Dolphins are going to win it they come out one the, the Jets are a one-point favorites but it's um it's going to be a fascinating to see, because we've been saying, oh well, you know, Jets two and zero, Raiders three and zero, you know, looking ahead to the Raiders, they were ugly on um, on Monday night. But um, you know, this is another statement game for the Dolphins and kind of building this, this this good early start that we seem to have, you know, we seem to have got off to after the the win at the weekend.
1: Well, like I said, they spent like thirty seven snaps in twelve and thirteen personnel, which are heavier looks. You know, oh, absolutely. The, ever the league is something like 70% or you know maybe 60% 11 personnel nowadays uh, which is three wide receivers but not the Jets like, mm-hmm. you know the other this weekend yep. they were 37 plays in 12 and 13 and they had I believe uh, 22 plays in 11. so it was a very heavy look against the Lions and if they try and I just think that if they try and do that against the Dolphins unless they pop a big one on TJ McDonald like we've seen then they're going to be running into a a run defense that we've actually done pretty well on, you know, on kind of a consistent play for play basis with the exception of one here and there. Um, And then on the passing game out of 12 and 13, they really did not succeed very well. They had 12 attempts and got something like 52 yards. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty and an interception and it wasn't, it wasn't very pretty. uh, The jets passing defense out of 12 and 13. And so and that's our weakness. Our weakness is pass defense out of base. So if they can't really do that very well, then then it's not going to be it's not going to help
3: them. The one game that the one guy that you're going to hopefully that we're going to be able to take advantage of is Buster Screed, who, who yes. plays a lot of the slot.
2: If they don't have a poster of him on the on the whiteboard and Davey, then they're doing something wrong.
3: Before we get out of here, let's get some predictions. Uh, Chris, what are you going for? How do you think the game will play out? Who ultimately ultimately do you think will win?
1: Normally, I would predict the the Dolphins to lose on the road because I don't like Adam Gase's team on the road that much. I've talked about that before, and especially with the Jets having played as well as they did. But I think overconfidence kind of kicks in with the Jets based on how, you know, just how badly they beat the Lions. And um, and so. That the Dolphins might be able to bite them because of that overconfidence, and especially if they did it based on some stolen signals or something like that. And the matchup is is just good. I mean, when I was looking at all of the personnel groupings and, you know, how how the Lions actually did make some hay against that defense or, or the offense, and what we did, what we showed as a team, our capabilities, uh, we match up well. We match up pretty well on them. So uh, unless, you know, like I said, if uh, if we throw into the teeth of their nickel defense and and it never works out, then that could be a problem. Or if they bust out a 70 yard touchdown run on us uh, on base, that could also be a problem. But otherwise, I think that we'll we'll come out of here with kind of a tight road victory. Our road victories tend to be really tight. Alf, what you got?
2: Well, um, Chris, you're not going to give us a score.
1: All right. Give me uh, give me 2017.
2: I'm thinking something along those lines. Uh I don't think it's going to be easy. I think they will run the ball. They will control the clock. They'll they'll try to shorten the game. They recognize what they what they saw on film. They saw that the Dolphins are trying to get plenty of plays out of that offense using that no huddle. So, I think they're going to want to hold it. They're going to play a little bit more ball control. They recognize that our safety, our safeties are kind of ball hawking and, you know, when you have Xavier Howard out there, you know, he can be scary for a rookie quarterback. So they're going to have a conservative game plan, which is going to lead to a very close game, tightly fought. And Jason Sanders becomes a hero, and the Dolphins win it 22 19.
1: Before we head out, I wanted to, I told you guys before that I want to ask you this question, and it's just quick. Uh, if you could wave a magic wand, or if you were all of a sudden given the coach's whistle, and you could just make a change to what the Dolphins are doing. Uh, not how good the Dolphins are at this or that, but, you know, change, change what they're doing in some aspect. Uh, Alf, what would you change?
2: More 21% meaning two running backs, one tight end.
3: That's fair. Mm.
1: Uh, Simon, do you
2: have anything that you would change?
3: I'm not sure. Cause again, I don't think I've seen enough. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I was impressed with the way that we came out. I, I thought we played pretty well, especially given the extenuating circumstances. I, I you know, I thought we played all right at the weekend, and it'll be. I think we'll have more of a judgment. You know, I, I'm not trying to sit on the fence. I think I would like to reserve judgment on that as well until I see a, a game in a whole, you know, three hours rather than the eight hours or whatever it was that we endured on Sunday, personally, yeah. if that's okay. So I'll,
1: stay the course. Stay the course. Stay, stay the stay. course for now. For now, yeah. anyway. Long game. Me. I think. Me, personally, I mean, we've talked about Minka playing full-time. We've also talked a lot about Dime defense. But more than all anything, more than any of those, it would be to get Jakeem Grant more involved in the game, give him more snaps. You know, do you know that for the last seven games, the last seven regular season games in the NFL, who has the most receiving yards per route running in the entire NFL? That's
3: Jakeem Neil, Grant. Is it Neil Sterling?
1: <laughs> it is not Neil <laughs> Sterling. It is Jakeem Grant. Did you know who led the NFL in yards per per route uh, seven games into the 2016 season when he was only a, a player playing like 25% of the the downs? Benny Logan. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. And the very next game, the the Chiefs looked down and saw that efficiency, saw that playmaking and that exciting um ability that he had and said, you know what? We've got to get him two or even three times as many snaps the very he's next a, game. And they did that, and the rest is history, and now he's Tyreek Hill. I'm going for
3: a Dolphins win this weekend just to wrap things up. I'm going tight, and I think it's going to come down to a special teams and the kicking game. Can Jason Sanders kick in that windy bowl of shite? In, uh, the, in the in the Jersey Meadowlands uh, and I'm saying he comes through with a game winning field goal in a tight, tough smash mouth, hard nose ugly old football game um, and the Miami Dolphins will be 2-0 and when we speak to you next week on, uh, on Tuesday thank you very much indeed see you later boys
0: thanks for
1: listening to 3 Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
3: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.